welcome to the Any Crack Cork Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Eco Restaurant in Douglas. You've got me, Charlotte Foster. And me, John McMurray, for the uh, last show of the season. And what a season it's been. We'll start off then with the All-Ireland League uh, final in particular. John, what did you make of that? Uh, Charlotte, um, you know, we've been talking about Cork on uh, all year and they finished the season with a fantastic 28-13 victory, victory over Clontarf in the Aviva Stadium. Uh, man of the match was uh, East Cork man um, Rob German, who's uh, been with Con for, I think, four or five years now after playing some schools rugby with Rockwell College in Tipperary. Uh, he scored a great try where he went up the middle and he evaded their full back to go under and it was a superb try. Uh, other people of note that day were uh, Ireland Sevens player Shane Daly, ex-Pres pupil, and uh, whose father I'd come across, uh, Billy Daly, who was a well-known player. Uh, and perhaps uh, Shane could be the answer for uh, Munster's backline attack uh, at number 13 in the future, but uh, we're not sure about that. Um, Captain on the day, Brian Hayes, attributed Con's new attacking brand of rugby uh, to the input of coach Paul Barr, who came back this season after uh, one year's rest last year. And uh, overall, fantastic achievement for Cork Con. It was their sixth title. Uh, it was probably uh, their title that they won with the with the best style of rugby, though. And it will always be remembered by uh, the Temple Hill fans uh, for being such a successful season. Talking about the season in general then with the, with the court clubs, how do you feel they, they've done? Will any any Anything stick out for you? Well, we had a fantastic situation where UCC, the university, in their first season in Division 1A, ended up in a relegation playoff situation. The relegation playoff involved them playing two matches, one against Malone from Belfast down in Cork and then uh, Old Wesley from Dublin the following week. UCC won both of these games. They stayed in Division 1A, which was fantastic. And uh, they said goodbye to their great scrum half, John Poland, uh, who's moving on at the end of this season uh, after graduating with his degree in finance. And uh, another player who really sticks out is the number 10 for me uh, for UCC, Tony Taylor, uh, undoubtedly an extremely talented player uh, who, um, you know, Munster Scouts, I hope you're out there. He's right on your doorstep. Bring him in if you can. You know, he's easily as good as what we have coming in from abroad. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony, his uncle, uh, has been a great fan of his, who was the former uh, out half for Dolphin. Uh, but James is a special talent and hopefully Munster will pick him up. Uh, so we've got UCC back in 1A next year, which is great news. We've got Highfield after climbing up from 2A to 1B having probably one of their best seasons, I would say, in 30 years. Uh, if Highfield were to win 1B next year, we would have three Cork clubs potentially in 1A, UCC, Highfield and uh, Cork Con. Uh, if this happens, it'll be a fantastic achievement because all of the professional players, including Sub Academy and Academy, are based out of Limerick now. And uh, that gives Limerick clubs a great advantage over their um, Cork AIL rivals. Uh, because these um, fringe professionals are allowed to appear for the clubs on certain occasions if they are in 1A or 1B. And Highfield will have access to some of these fringe players next year. I don't want to say low lights, but are there any sort of points in the season that you wish you didn't have to, you wouldn't want to watch again? Well, the low light for me was the relegation of my own club Sundays well from 2B to 2C. We moved into the fifth tier of Irish rugby. We're on the bottom step in the ladder now. If things were not to go right next year, we could be in a playoff to lose our senior status and go back to junior, which would be absolutely terrible. Um, now, as you can imagine, the competition for players in Cork is going to be absolutely ferocious now, with Highfield snapping up anybody good, 
uh, Cork on always pick up the best players with the amount of uh, wins they manage down there. And UCC get their players anyway uh, when they enter university. So they've got a, a guaranteed player source. Uh, however, Sundays well really are dependent on their underage structure now to pull players through. And one or two guys that might fancy continuing playing, but not at the highest level. Uh, so perhaps they're going to have to look overseas to fill a few gaps. And I think that's what the club intend to do. So throughout the uh, season, we have been doing a mystery guest. Uh, well, a mystery guest who isn't a mystery. Well, he is a mystery, but he's not really a guest because he's never really in, in the studio with mm-hmm. us. So, mm-hmm. so here's some clues that we'll give you and you can play along and see if you can guess who the mystery guest is. I will give the clues and John will help out a little bit along the way. So starting off then, this player first started playing rugby in first year CBC on the under-13 C team. Mostly had Gaelic Games experience with St. Patrick's Primary and St. Finbar's Club. His father had won four hurling and two football county championship medals for the Bars. Had a rapid progression in CBC, moving to under-14A within a month. This was after coach Kenny Lee saw something in him and promoted him. Remember losing to St. Nessens 3-0 in the Junior Cup and 20-0 in the Senior Cup semi-final to PBC, who they'd beaten in the Christmas Challenge fixture. Okay, so this guy is a CBC lad. Uh, my rival school being a, being a pres man myself. Uh, he sounds like as if he's a bit younger than me, and I would say he's about 10 years younger than me, so he's about 40 now. Um, that's all I can say so far. Looking now then at the Munster Junior Cup final that took place on May the 11th. Uh, Charlotte, it was a fantastic night. Uh, 7.30pm kickoff in uh, Irish Independent Park. Uh, Highfield had a tremendous season overall and the strength of this second 15 must have helped the first 15 uh, when they had injuries in their run for promotion from uh, 2A. Three players stuck out for me from this Highfield team. Fullback Jamie Murphy with uh, strong Cork Con connections. Uh, Centre Paddy O'Toole at number 13, whose evasive runs were uh, troublesome for the Corkon backline defence all day. And hooker Keen O'Sullivan, who um, looks like one of the toughest young players I've seen in years. And uh, I just wonder how many uh, first 15 games he managed this year, because he looked absolutely excellent in the contact, presented the ball well, and uh, he was uh, very strong overall. 17 all was the score at full time. I watched it up to that point before I had to leave for my 50th birthday party. 23 all after extra time, but Highfield were presented with the cup because of scoring outscoring Cork on three th- tries to one. Uh, this was Highfield's first win since 1972 and their fifth Junior Cup win ever. It would have been Con's 20th Junior Cup win. Um, two cousins faced each other. Gary Bradley, son of Michael Bradley, uh, came on as replacements from half for Cork Con. He faced his cousin Jamie Murphy, uh, who was playing with Highfield. And it was quite funny to see Jamie Murphy do so much damage and his two uncles, Kenny Murphy and Charlie Murphy, in the stand uh, trying to work out how to contain this Highfield team. So a case of divided family loyalties there, I think. Just a little bit. It sounds like it was a cracking match then. It was a great match and um, the surface in Irish Independent Park is brilliant for teams that want to play running rugby. It's it's the AstroTurf uh, 3G surface. And, uh, you know, when you get two teams that had wins like these two teams had on the way to the final, we spoke about Highfield destroying Dolphin and Shannon on the way to the final, uh, Cork Con putting Clonmel away so easily in the semi-final. And then we had two teams that were really matching each other and Highfield uh, won it deservedly, I believe, with the, uh, with the quality of rugby they played. 
clue two then in our mystery guest uh, feature for the podcast and uh, this player joined UCC rugby while studying process engineering and got on the UCC 20s winning a Munster league and cup and a junior cup final school's out half adversary Ronan O'Gara appeared at number 10 on these teams coach Brian Hickey brought him up to train with UCC seniors at the end of first year and made senior debut against UCD in second year at fullback in a colors game oh this guy's done really well he's uh, he's escalated up um, to senior uh, at 19 or 20 he must have been quite a talented player um, and he's playing in the backs I would think Looking then at Munster, what's going on with the club there? Right, well, we had some bad news this week. Um, uh, forwards coach Jerry Flannery and backs coach Felix Jones uh, went in to have their uh, contractual meeting. Um, the news was that they were both offered uh, contracts again for next season. Uh, however, um, they both declined the offer for Munster, which now leaves Munster in a difficult position of replacing both of them late in the season. Uh, when there may not be too many coaches available uh, globally. Um, the talk is that they've already interviewed uh, Rob Howley, the Welsh backs coach, uh, Stephen Larkham of Australia is in the frame, and former Ireland forwards coach Gert Small, who's just finished with the Western Province. Uh, he may come in as forwards coach. Uh, so it's a case of wait and see what happens. They will get people. They're a global name as a club still, but... Um, you know, uh, Jones and Flannery leaving at this point in time, not the ideal scenario. Just just uh, in case anyone's wondering, I do have my Rugby Ready coaching award and I'm doing some more coaching as well. Just, you know, just throwing it out there. Very good, Charlotte. And I'm it can't I'm, be any harder than doing the under sixes at Longton Rugby Club. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you're, uh, you're staying involved hands-on. You're not just uh, presenting, you're actually out there in the getting, getting muddy in the field every week. Heck yeah, that's yeah, what it's yeah, about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But then as a season, how do you think Munster have done this season? Well, the performance against Benetton Treviso in the Pro 14 quarterfinal was poor. They just got through with a last-minute JJ Anerhan penalty. Um, I attended the European semi-final in Coventry, 32-16 to Saracens. I was disappointed that day with with, with the attack. We were too lateral. Uh, we didn't have the ability to step it up like Saris did. Saris went on to win the European Cup then, beating Leinster. But look, you know, people hate me for saying it. The Leinster performance was better than the Munster one against Saris. Uh, they lost by 10 points, 20 points to 10. They made a couple of bad decisions which could have influenced the game. But... You know, I'm really hoping for more from this Munster team next year. And, you know, if there was an influx of, of coaches that, that brought us on, that could be good as well, you know. And they've got a big game coming up, haven't they, Munster? Yeah, they've got the, the semi-final, which they, they just uh, about got through uh, to, uh, courtesy of JJ Hanrahan's penalty. Uh, they've got Leinster tomorrow in the Aviva. Look, people think they might have a chance. Leinster could be a bit wrecked after that European Cup final last week. Um, Munster might just sneak it. They might just do it. Uh, they might have the game of the season in them. If they do, um, they would be going to um, Celtic Park in Glasgow for the final. First time ever it's held there. And it's probably going to be against Glasgow, by the way, who are um, two to one favourites to win the competition outright. And that would be uh, fantastic for Munster to get another trip out on the 25th of May. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go if we do get through, as I've got the Rod Stewart concert in Cork. <laughs> Priorities, <laughs> eh? Priorities. <laughs> 
clue three for the mystery guest. The mystery guest, the uh, mystery is who is it? Not that they're a guest because there's nobody else here in the in the studio as such. So we'll talk about the highlights then of this person's career. They say the main highlight was winning the European Students' Cup when they beat Grenoble in Donnybrook, kicking off at half past 11 in the morning. It was May 1999 and it was a curtain raiser to the European Cup final. They beat them 14 points to 11 and were presented with the cup at halftime in Lansdowne Road in front of 40,000 fans. This UCC team was outstanding, containing many future professional players, including Mike Ross and Peter Stringer. 13 of this side won a university's triple crown against England in Richmond, 65 points to 10 just a week later. Another highlight was winning the league with Dolphin in 2004. Okay, so he's a UCC player. Uh, He moved on to Dolphin afterwards. Uh, He's ex-CBC. He didn't feature on that Ireland team that beat England. Uh, but he played with some fantastic players who went on to become professional, uh, like Stringer and um, the Irish prop forward who appeared for Leinster. What was his name again, uh, Charlotte? Mike Ross. Mike Ross. I couldn't think of Mike's name. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, After having a great career with Harlequins first and initially Cork Con, Mike Ross was um, signed into the professional game by Dean Richards, age 25. So he had a late start, but uh, my, when he did get in there, did he hold it? He got up to 100 caps for Ireland at tight end. Uh, fantastic player. And uh, Mike Ross's biography is one I'm going to have a look into soon as well. Now, you were you said uh, before we started recording that you wanted to talk about uh, Jerry Flannery this, uh, in this episode. So now's your chance. Well, just as I did Keith Earls in the last episode, uh, I've always been a great admirer of Munster forwards coach uh, Jerry Flannery. I first saw him when he was playing with the UCC in the late 90s as I watched the game uh, through the railings from the outside. Uh, this hooker caught my eye. I thought, that guy is good. He's going somewhere. And uh, fortunately for me, I was correct again. Uh, he Here's some information on Jerry. He was born on the 17th of October 1978, the year that uh, Munster beat the All Blacks in Limerick. Uh, maybe that was ominous for him. He uh, he retired in March 2012 uh, due to injury problems from his professional contract with Munster. Uh, he was capped at Ireland's schoolboy level while in St. Munchen's College in Limerick. Um, he always had to wait patiently for his opportunities, uh, but he always made the most of his breaks when given them. Uh, he started off after finishing with the UCC with a professional contract with Connacht and Galway, uh, competing with another hooker, Marius Uge. And uh, that was Jerry's first steps in professionalism. Uh, Munster quickly re-signed him after his two years in Connacht, but he was restricted by uh, Frankie Sheehan, who was Ireland hooker at the time. And Jerry's um, appearances for Munster were sporadic at the time. However, he did make his debut against Stade Francais in the quarterfinal of the European Cup in April 2004. Uh, Munster won this game 37-32, and that was a memorable game, if I remember correctly. Uh, A neck injury to Frankie Sheehan, sustained against Sale Sharks, a match I was at in 2006, opened the door for Flannery further. Uh, He was voted man of the match against Cast in a try-scoring Heineken debut. Uh, However, he missed the majority of 0-9-10 and 10-11 through injury. His last game for Munster was in January 2011. Jerry Flannery suffered from uh, a recurrent uh, calf injury. 
however, in 2009, after that particular Six Nations, he was uh, named the best hooker in the world. Uh, just speaking about his Irish career a bit further, January 2006, he was Ireland's first choice hooker versus Italy. He won the Triple Crown in 2006 and he was chosen as Six Nations hooker of the tournament. Injuries meant out he lost to Rory Best, lost out to Rory Best, who's going to be a World Cup hooker in 2019. That shows you how long he's been around uh, in 2007. Best displaced Flannery. Uh, in the 2007 World Cup, he started against France and Argentina. Jerry Flannery did. In 2009, he won the Championship and Grand Slam, and he was named World Hooker of the Year. In 2011, he was forced to withdraw from Ireland's World Cup squad due to the calf injury I mentioned, and he was replaced by Limerick man Damien Varley. Uh, his game against USA turned out to be Flannery's last game for Ireland. He was ruled out of the 2009 Lions with an elbow injury, and uh, you know he definitely could have been test hooker for the Lions that year. Uh, after retiring, he decided to um, concentrate on a career in sports. Uh, he did a uh, master's degree in sports performance management in UL. He took his placement in Arsenal in uh, London, working as strength and conditioning coach with him. Uh, May 2014, Anthony Foley uh, appointed Jerry Flannery scrum coach of Munster. The job evolved since then into the full forwards coach. And all I can say is, Jerry, best wishes in the future. You've been a great servant for Munster as a player. You were a great player for UCC when I watched you that day back in the 1990s. And I happened to meet you at the Colours game in November uh, when Lenny Toomey introduced me to you. And I was certainly glad to meet you. And uh, Jerry, I hope you um, continue to have a very successful career coaching. Uh, perhaps it'll be a, a trip abroad or maybe you'll decide to concentrate on your pub in Limerick. Uh, I don't know. But best wishes for the future, Jerry, And thank you for everything. Crew four for you now for the mystery guest on uh, the podcast. And uh, we're looking now at this person's most difficult opponent and who they enjoyed playing with. So they say that they used to have some great battles with their flatmate, Derek Dillon of Cork Con. Apparently they battered each other on the field, but would travel home together in the same car as we were flatmates. Now, isn't that just the spirit of rugby all out there? That's fantastic. Uh, he also loved playing with Ronan O'Gara in his short time with UCC and David O'Mahony brought him forward further with his good communication skills at Dolphin. Now, here's a funny story that they're going to tell. Apparently, uh, a funny story came from the time with college when they were top of Division 2, but had three key matches in a week against Buccaneers, Galwegians and Toulouse. Aidan McSweeney, prop and resident mimic, decided to do an interview with Jerry Flannery, pretending to be a journalist from the Limerick leader from his mobile on the back of the bus. Apparently, Jerry was pacing up the bus, answering these questions proudly as everyone was cracking up until Aidan asked the last question right behind him. On the rugby field, though, it was a bad week as they lost all three games, including a 40-21 defeat to Toulouse in the European final. Uh, that's one of the funniest stories I've had in the magazine, actually. Uh, Flannery was duped by Max Weenie that day, but uh, he, he took it very well, I believe. You've got to, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Now, if you're listening to the last episode, which I know you all have been listening to the last episode, uh, we, well, I say we... You did a little book review for us, didn't you, John? So let, let's do another book review because when you go on holiday and there's not much rugby around, we need to fill our days up with, with rugby in other ways, don't we? So you've got another book for us this episode. It is called Let Me Have a Look, Front Up, Rise Up. It is by Jerry Thornley. And tell me a bit about this book then. Um, this is a great book by Jerry Thornley, the um, 
Irish Times uh, rugby columnist. It's the story of Connacht's journey to become the 2016 Pro 12 champions. Okay, Jerry goes into great detail on the province's history since professionalism. He gives a real insight through the eyes of key stakeholders, Michael Bradley, who coached the team for seven years, Eric Elwood, Elwood, who is an institution in Connacht, and Pat Lamb, who came in as coach uh, for that Victoria season. Uh, That was actually Pat Lamb's third season in charge. Thorny's attention to detail is excellent, and his account of the Challenge Cup trip to Siberia when the return flights were cancelled from Moscow is very entertaining as the team had to break up into various groups to get back home, and it turned into a little bit of a bonding exercise for the guys. Uh, Connacht were nearly extinct in 2003, uh, but they marched on uh, Lansdowne Road in Dublin and persuaded the RFU to keep them open as a professional franchise. They're very, very important for Irish rugby, I think, and uh, they've picked up a lot of players who... um, would be uh, outside the pro game in Ireland if, if that fourth franchise didn't exist, uh, such as Alton Delan from Tralee, for example, uh, who was picked up by Connacht. Uh, they've also given other Connacht players a go, uh, sorry, other uh, Cork players a go, including uh, Rory Burke, who they've just signed from uh, Nottingham in the Championship, uh, who spent time with Cork on up to uh, 2015. Um, the great thing about Connacht is they were given time to build up their resources. Uh, they eventually won the title in 2016 uh, under Pat Lamb. And uh, it's a great example of um, why no relegation from the Pro 14 uh, is such a good idea uh, compared to the uh, Aviva Premiership in England. Oh, while we're talking about the Aviva Premiership in England, can we just a little, little mention of who's back in the Aviva Premiership next season? That's right, London Irish are back in the Aviva Premiership. You, you'll be delighted to hear that, Charlotte. And, oh. it, and it's their last season down in your neck of the woods. Yeah, in the you, Mad Stad at the Medeski. So I'm really pleased right. they're back in the Premiership that's right, before that. That's right, that's right. Because it means I might but, go. But look, the problem is uh, when you get promoted with your team in the Championship, you more or less have to discard up to 10 of those guys and tell them they're no longer on the team yeah. and, and put the replacements that you, you've bought in ahead of them. And uh, Declan Kidney has bought some top-class international replacements, including tight-head prop Kefu from Australia. Uh, a lot of these guys won't be available until after the World Cup, but uh, he's um, he's signed up to seven players, including a young prop from Richmond the other day. He's certainly bolstered their resources but uh, he's copying what Bristol did uh, when they were promoted from the Championship. Uh, they bought in from the outside to uh, enhance their Premiership resources and uh, it worked for them. They stayed up this year. And also, here's a special mention to Topsy Ojo, who is finally retiring after what feels like a lifetime at the Ir- at the London Irish there as well. He's uh... That's right. I came across Topsy on, uh, on the rugby programme on Channel 5 recently uh, where he was uh, analysing the performance of, of, of London Irish. Uh, actually, it was the Championship Cup final against Ealing, and that was one uh, they were beaten in this season. Uh, they had a couple of close shaves. So, uh, you know, I suppose Declan Kidney is right to bolster the resources, or uh, it could be a tight situation in the Premiership again. Absolutely. Clue five, then, for the mystery guest on the podcast. And uh, talking about how this person's been involved in the game since they stopped playing. Uh, the person stopped playing around 2006, aged 30, with an ankle and ligament damage didn't miss the game at first and enjoyed the break. Was then asked to get involved with CBC McCarthy Cup team in 2012-2013. The following year moved up to junior and this year won the Junior Cup, beating Crescent 21-10 with a last-minute conversion. John, if people haven't worked it out, who is the mystery guest? Uh, he's been involved with CBC Seniors since uh, since I wrote that piece. Uh, it's Lenny Toomey, who I uh, normally meet in Garrettstone on holidays. And thank you for being the mystery guest this week, Lenny, and I hope things are going well. 
So now, when it is time for uh, the, the secret diary of the Irish rap in England, I've got hold of it. I'm having a, a look through the pages to see what's particularly juicy, and uh, here we are. A new county, a new challenge. Maybe an injection into this ageing ref's career. Earls versus Kennel 2s is a good start of the season match. Even Stephen all day. Earls edge through 15-14. I feel the silver stud up through my legs and into my back. I made this mistake last year also. I need to invest in hard ground boots. A positive assessment from my reviewer is encouraging. Getting closer to where rugby was invented might be a boost. Let's wait and see. Sounds like uh, wrong boots were worn there, doesn't it? Uh, wrong boots were worn that day and a lot of back pain. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised that referees do suffer a lot of injuries as well, Charlotte. You know, a lot of ankle, uh, knee and back pain. Uh, it's quite tough. It's more physically demanding than playing in ways because you're up on your feet covering six kilometres nonstop. I'd like to point out, we're not all rolling on the floor and we're playing. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm saying is refereeing is tough and, uh, you know, anybody who does it, you've got to, you've got to dot the calf to them. Very much so, especially uh, yeah, if you're on the field. Yeah, 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 you know, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, injuries do creep in. Uh, you know, I've seen a referee over in Corks um, in agony on the ground in an under-18 game in Balancholic. And um, that man is having recovering, uh, reoccurring injuries. Uh, and uh, fortunately, I haven't been too bad. You know, I wonder uh, how much I've got left now being 50. But um, that trip into the other county didn't last too long. And uh, <laughs> back in uh, in home base again. Uh, and, and also doing a bit over in Cork. So looking back over the last season as it has been, how do you think it's gone? I mean, I know there's all sorts of different places in that to, to talk about, but just in general, how do you feel? Charlotte, just, just reviewing the, the Cork situation, it was really good. You know, I mean, for Cork on to win AIL Division 1A uh, against uh, clubs from the capital city with a population of 1 million, where all the jobs are, to beat all these guys, uh, you know, it's a fantastic achievement. And we've got to, um, you know, take the hat off to uh, Brian Hickey, director of rugby, and Paul Barr, uh, the backline attack coach in Corcon, and uh, the tremendous captain Brian Hayes, who actually lives in Dublin, but appears uh, for Corcon in the matches and simply trains on his own when he's in Dublin, as I understand it, which is a fantastic uh, thing to be able to do. Uh, that was fantastic. Look, I've got to mention the guys on the west side of the city, Highfield. They had their best year since 86, as far as I remember it. Winning that Junior Cup was the icing on the cake for them. And I can't wait to see how they go in 1B, if they'll be top four in 1B next year and, and potentially get promoted again. Uh, UCC Rugby, uh, I mentioned in the magazine, the picturesque setting on the Mardek as I look up to those lovely terraced houses on Sunday as well. I'm so delighted they're in 1A uh, still next season. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Brian Walsh can push them up to mid-table at least next year. And uh, look, Sundays, well, we've been down there at the bottom before. We've ended up in a playoff game against Cashel for our survival one time, uh, going back to junior. Uh, I'm sure things will swing around for us again. And, uh, you know, we might not get back up to 2A next year, but uh, we certainly won't be in a, in a relegation battle in 2C, I believe. So it is the end of the podcast and the end of the season. So uh, thank you all for listening to Any Crack Cork Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Eco Restaurant in Douglas with me, Charlotte Foster, and... And me, John McNamara. 